what is going on ball boy talk here again today episode 18 wow can't believe we're in episode 18 today on the podcast we're gonna talk some news we're gonna talk three yearly reviews we're gonna try to smash those real quick get those in uh for the rockies the nationals and the mets and then lastly, we're going to talk about the expanded playoffs and if I think they should stay or should they go, since that's one thing that the owners are trying to leverage with the Players Association when it comes to uh, labor negotiations for this year um, in exchange for the universal DH. So we'll take a look back at that. And so, yeah, let's jump right on into the news. All right, into the news for today. So... Um, before we get into it, whatever platform you're listening on, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. I'm available on seven different platforms, so I don't know which one you're on. Um, but make sure you like, follow it, so that you get alerted when there's a new episode of the podcast. So, if we go back to the Around the Horn on the 20th, uh, that's the one we're going to be talking about today. Just kind of the big, big hitters, um... You'll see that I was recently published with Authenticity Mags. Um, if you didn't get to see that or haven't seen that yet or haven't had a chance, go there, click the link, and you'll be able to go and see that. Uh, also, you can see the 13th news or you can listen to the last episode of the podcast. Uh, and then this week, um, we recently started coming out with our fantasy dugout pieces, which is which are my rankings of um, for fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball season's upon us. The chess of fantasy sports. That's not fantasy chess, but fantasy baseball is a lot of fun. I've been playing it for about 10 plus years now. Love it. Enjoy it. It's. I look forward to it almost as much fantasy football every year. Um, and then also we started coming out with power rankings. Uh, power rankings, if you don't know, kind of just where each team lays in like terms of their power, how, how good they are compared to other teams. Um, the Dodgers and the Padres and the Mets have held the one, two, and three spot for the first two weeks, but all the other teams have been kind of shifting around with the more moves they make. Um, so it's definitely getting a lot of fun to do that. So without any further ado, into the news. Um, so I talked about it, I want to say probably episode three or four or something about Theo Epstein when he left the Cubs. He was leaving. Um, same kind of thing he did with the Red Sox. He left them right before a rebuild. Um, went to another club that had, you know, more upside. Um, and then there was speculation from the owners that they could, say, fire Rob Manfred. Um, it would just take a majority vote from the owners to do so. Um, and now, Theo Epstein, he was supposed to be away from baseball for the 2021 season. Now he's coming back into the commissioner's office as a consultant to Manfred. Specifically, he will focus on on-field matters including but not limited to the effects that proposed rule changes would bring. Um, really excited about this for Epstein. He, he's young. I think he's in his mid-40s, 47, 48. Um, so he has a lot of youth, a lot of enthusiasm. He's just, I mean, he's won multiple world championships, turned multiple fran- a couple franchises around um, his time there. And so this is a great step for Epstein, and I think it's an even bigger step for baseball. Because if he succeeds in this role, Manfred's contract is up after the 2022 season. Um, and he could be next in line to be a commissioner. If this goes well, I think it will. Epstein's a great, just a great um, mind when it comes to baseball. And I'm really excited to see what he does in this role. Um, 
Mets, their GM Jared Porter, this was a big story, a lot of details. Um, Jared Porter was hired as their GM on December 13th. Uh, as a 118 news broke that back in 2016, he took um, sent explicit pictures to a female reporter that were unwanted. Um, uh, Porter acknowledged the seriousness of his actions, error in judgment, took responsibility for his conduct, and expressed remorse and has previously apologized for his actions. Um, the Mets and Steve Cohen take these actions very seriously, as Cohen said. Um, and, you know, there was more details to come out. So as of 119, Mets owner Steve Cohen announced on Twitter um, that the organiz- organization has terminated general manager Jared Porter following last night's revela- re- reveal that he had harassed a female reporter in 2016 with a string of 60-plus unreturned text messages, which included unsolicited explicit messages. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it right to come. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. Porter's tenure lasted all 37 days, making the second consecutive winter in which the Mets have hired and fired a critical organizational leader within mere weeks. The Mets will look to hire a new GM next winter, which I think is really interesting. So it looks like Cohen is going to try again next winter and not try to make it three winters in a row. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's see. Speaking of the Cubs, former left-handed pitcher Denny Holton. Uh, joined the Cubs front office. Nothing huge. And the Blue Jays president, chief of baseball officers, chief baseball executive officer, uh, Mark Shapiro agreed to a five-year contract extension with the Blue Jays. Um, let's see. So just just jump right into the free agent signings. I'm not going to do any intros or anything like that. Uh, the Yankees re-signed DJ LeMahieu to a six-year, ninety million dollar guaranteed. Great move for the Yankees. Six years that'll keep him under contract through his age 38 season. Um, huge win for the Yankees there. Um, LeMahieu, if you don't know, he's won a batting title both the AL and NL. He's one of only like three players to do so. So that's a huge, huge win for the Yankees right there. Uh, let's see here. And then the Blue Jays had an offer of four years, 78 million offer to DJ. However, they Probably happy they didn't have to spend that money there because they landed outfielder George Springer on a six-year, $150 million deal. Uh, And that's huge. It's it's something I really talked about, what I really thought would happen when it came to Springer. Um, He was going to go to a team with a young core where he would be the face of the franchise, the superstar, um, a competitive team in a competitive division where he would be, you know, the vet leader, the vet presence, and he would be the man that everyone would look to. So really happy for Springer. Perfect situation for him. This just makes the Blue Jays just that much better. Um, and then it was reported later that the Blue Jays signed Michael Brantley. However, they didn't sign Michael Brantley as they ended up signing um, – he ended up resigning with Houston. So some mixed reports there, but it is what it is. It would have been cool to see them together in um, Toronto – but the Astros got someone back, so that's huge for the Astros. Uh, the Blue Jays also signed Kirby Yates and Tyler Chatwood as well, leading in leading up to the George Springer signing. So huge boost for the bullpen in the Yates signing. He's been one of the best closers in baseball over the last couple seasons. Um, yeah, just really, really solid signings. Three really solid signings back-to-back-to-back. Um The Angels signed left-handed pitcher Jose Quintana to a one-year deal. Um, True innings eater there. Um, 
before the 2020 season with in his thumb injury. He had thrown seven straight seasons of 170-plus innings, um, and he owns a 3.73 ERA in that time. So he, just a phenomenal signing for the Angels. I really like it. Um, and they're still rumored to be in on Trevor Bauer. They're, they're one of the leading two teams with the Mets for Trevor Bauer. Back in my bold predictions, um, post-winter meeting bold predictions, I, I speculated that the Angels were gunning for Trevor Bauer. The Yankees signed starting pitcher Corey Kluber to a one-year $11 million deal, which almost guarantees that they will not – well, Jay Happ signed with the Twins, and then Masahiro Tanaka will ultimately not re-sign now. Uh, the Washington Nationals signed John Lester. Lester looks to be coming in as the best fourth option in all of baseball. I mean, that rotation now has Strasburg, Scherzer, um, Corbin, and now Lester. Just a great signing by the by the um, by the Nationals. The Red Sox also signed. Oh no, not Red Sox. I'm thinking Red uh, Angels. But the Red Sox signed Martin Perez to a one-year deal. The Angels signed catcher Kurt Suzuki. The Giants signed left-handed pitcher Alex Wood. The Phillies signed right-handed relief pitcher Archie Bradley. This was a great move from Dombrowski and crew. Um, he was he was fantastic. He was non-time tendered by the Reds after pitching 7.2 innings pitch with one earned run, 6K, zero walks, and four hits. So really surprising that the Reds let him go. But the Mets, probably one of the best signings of the offseason so far right there in Archie Bradley. Uh, the Mets signed utility man Jose Martinez to a split contract. Um, the Astros signed right-handed pitcher Pedro Baez to a two-year deal. And then the international signing pulled open and kind of came and went. It went pretty quick. Uh, outfielder Yolki Suspedes signed with the White Sox. And these are just some of the notable notable ones. Um, right-handed pitcher Norhe Vera signed with the White Sox. Uh, shortstop Armando Cruz signed with the Nationals. Outfielder Pedro Leon signed with the Astros. Shortstop Manuel Beltre signed with the Blue Jays. Outfielder Pedro Pineda signed with the Athletics. Shortstop Carlos Carlos Colmenares signed with the Rays. Shortstop Christian Hernandez signed with the Cubs. Outfielder Shalin Polanco signed with the Pirates. Shortstop Christian Santana signed with the Tigers. Shortstop Danny De Andrada signed with the Tins. And shortstop Denzer Guzman signed with the Angels, and lastly, shortstop Yidi Cape signed with the Marlins. Ooh, was able to rattle through the free agent signings, got through those pretty quick. Um, some couple of rumors kind of left out there, like I already said. Um, the market, the free agent market is pretty much down to just JTR, JT Romito, and Trevor Bauer left as the only free agents that will assumably surpass the $100 million mark with their deals. Um, so the money's out there, which is, if you go back a couple months, Scott Boris, like the MLB's biggest MLB free agent, um, agent, free agent's agent, um, or just player agent, there we go, player agent, said that the money was still there. There was there was no money lost. There was just no money made, um, which has kind of been an interesting spin on the whole financial situation. These teams are, these teams are limited. They didn't lose money. They just didn't earn the money like they were expecting to um, based on, like, their forecasted plan and whatnot. Uh, so the money is still there. It just wasn't – just ha not as much was made. If, I don't know if that makes sense, but, yeah. Um, so the Phillies do have an offer um, of five years, $100 million, $110 million, 
out to JT Realmuto. That was reported on the 16th. Still no deal has been finalized coming into today, the 25th. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, the Cardinals did read make interviews or not interviews, offers. They made new offers to both Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Um, so that was as of last week. So still no word there. We'll see. I believe both of those guys have said, well, if we don't resign, we're both com- comfortable retiring. Um, it's really interesting to see there. And then just a couple notes. Tanaka's looking for one year, 15 to 20 million. I think the Mariners would be a great place. It's one year. They have the available payroll. However, they won't make a signing. Um, speaking of the AL West, every team in the AL West, the Mariners, Angels, Athletics, Astros, and Rangers are all interested in a free agent reliever, Joaquin Soria. Uh, the Yankees are still interested in bringing Brett Gardner back. Um, the Dodgers have checked in on Marcus Semien and consider him at third base. However, it's more likely that Justin Turner's are top target still, um, and Semien would be a fallback option. And, you know, that's enough in the notes. Uh, you can read the full notes when I hear it. Let's just talk a couple trades real quick that happened or the trade that happened this week. Um, again, you can read the rest in the notes. If you go down into the description of the show, you'll be able to find the link to today's news um, we're talking about. So another big trade came in. The Padres acquired right-handed pitcher Joe Musgrove from the Pirates. It was a three-team trade. Um, the Mets acquired left-handed pitcher Joey Lucchesi from the Padres, and then the Pirates were able to nag a bag of five prospects, um, outfielder Hudson Head, left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz, right-handed pitcher David Bednar, right-handed pitcher Drake Fellows, and catcher-slash-outfielder Andy Rodriguez. So the Padres are getting Musgrove, who threw 39.2 innings in 2020 with 3.86 ERA with a 14% swing strike rate and 31.1% strikeout rate. Both were individual career highs. Um, let's see. The Mets also got a great option in Lucchesi for a fourth, four starter, uh, four, five. Um, he's recording ERA in the fours in 2018 and 19, um, before he was only able to throw five and two thirds innings pitch. However, he's not eligible to become a free agent until after 2024. So this is a great signing, uh, long-term with upside for the Pirates or for the, for the Mets. And then each of the five prospects the Pirates received were all rated top 20 in their previous team's far system. Um, so that that's that. Nothing nothing more really coming out. Um, I think I talked about it last time that the Yankees uh, supposedly you can't believe everything you read on Twitter, but that they um, had acquired Luis Castillo from the from the Reds for Clint Fraser or Gleyber Torres. The, the Reds completely shut this down. It's all false. They intend to keep Castillo as a member of their rotation in 2021. Um, and then again, there were some injury updates. David Price is ready for the season. Um, you know, Corey Kluber signed, but Anthony Swarzak and C.C. Shack were also part of that uh, workout. They're all represented by the same agency. Right-handed pitcher Jordan Hicks for the Cardinals should be back in 2021. Um I mean, he opted out of 2020 after he was still recovering from Tommy John, as well as type 1 diabetes. He has type 1 diabetes, so he was just being precautious. Um, 
So, I mean, there was a few more little ones here and there, but if you want to read the whole thing, go ahead and take a look. Um, only other thing I'll mention here is right-handed pitchers Julio Terhon and Anibal Sanchez held a showcase on 119. The Red Sox, Twins, Rays, Marlins, and Mets were all in attendance. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, but that's it for the news. Let's jump over and talk some yearly reviews. Oh my gosh, what is that smell? Hey, Jewel, what are you cooking? Oh, me? I'm just over here cooking with some Danos. Danos? What is Danos? Well, my friend, you don't know till you Dano. That's literally what I asked, but what is it? What is Danos? Is it like some Kentucky seasoning? Actually, yeah, it is. Um, weird that you asked that. But Danos, no sugar, low sodium, all natural ingredients. All good stuff inside of this bottle right here. You can never use too much because it's made with real sea salt. Fresh ingredients. No crap, no MSG, no glucose. It's gluten-free. And let me tell you, I put that Danos on everything. And I did not know until I Danoed. And my life has never been the same. My cooking has not been the same. Nothing has been the same. And that amazing smell you're smelling is just Danos. Wow, dude, what can you put it on? Like I said, you can put it on anything. Chicken, steak, pork, ribs. You can put it in your soup. You can put it in your clam chowder. You can put it in your chicken noodle soup. You can put it on your tacos. You can put it in your taco meat. You can, you can, Dano, put that stuff on everything. Wow. Dude, where can I get some of this? Here, let me tell you real quick. You can go to theballboyblog.com slash my dash deals page all right i'm following i'm following and then what i'm here on the page right now click the link that says danos okay okay click the link says danos it took did it take you to the site yeah yeah it took me to the site oh my goodness these are great that's such a beautiful packaging i'm ordering some right now awesome well since you clicked the link you let them know i sent you if you don't click the link and you decide to go straight over to danos.com, just put in the code BALLBOY at checkout to let them know I sent you. You can thank me later. And yeah, that's all there is to it. And like I said, you don't know until you Dano. Alright, time to get into some yearly reviews. We're going to do three of them today. Kind of just get through these. We're in the bottom half of the league. Uh... So not as exciting, more disappointing. So I don't want to be sad for too long or make you guys sad. So we're going to start with the Rockies. Uh, let's see here. Some of the moves the Rockies made. And if you don't know, um, these reviews are just consisted of moves. Um, what we love, what we didn't love, what we learn, and takeaways, and kind of what's next for each of these teams. So moves the Rockies made. They traded right-handed pitcher Jesus Tinoco to the Marlins for Chad Smith. It was a depth move for both sides. Um, the Rockies didn't use Chad Smith at all in 2020. The Orioles traded right-handed pitcher Michael Gibbons to the Rockies for first baseman Tyler Nevin, shortstop Taron Vavra, and a player to be named later. Um, Gibbons struggled in his 9.1 innings pitch for the Rockies, um, and he pitched to a 6.75 ERA. 
Um, and the Red Sox traded center fielder Kevin Pillar to the Rockies for a player to be named later. Um, Pillar was great for the Rockies in his time. Um, he hit two home runs, 13 RBIs, stole four bases, with a 308 batting average, batting average in 91 at-bats. So one of the three moves worked out. Um, let's see. What did we love about the Rockies in 2020? Well, Charlie Blackman was hitting the cover off the baseball, literally. He had a .500 batting average at one point in the season, and then reality set back in. Um, he really made the Rockies look like they were contenders um, in the early part of 2020, and that quickly tailed off. Um, one guy that I'm really happy to see have a great season, finally put things together, was Alfredo Rymel Tapia. Uh, he hit a team-leading 321 batting average, but he only had one home run, 17 RBIs, eight stolen bases, but he had a 369 OBP. That's phenomenal. Um, Trevor Story also had a great season. He was a Gold Glove finalist. He hit 289 with 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, 24 walks to 63 Ks, however, um, 15 stolen bases and 68 hits in 122 and 122 total bases. So very great solid season for story um really just sets him up for an even bigger 2021 before going into free agency post 2021 um charlie blackman was also solid would have loved it he kind of would have kept it more consistent um and not used it all at once um so you know i was hoping more from the rockies i had projected them to go 34 and 26. However, they ended up going 26 and 34. Um, they had a hot start. They had one of the hardest, hottest starts in all of baseball in 2020. Um, you know, once Blackman kind of came back down to earth, he ended up hitting 303, 42 RBIs, six home runs, 67 hits, and two stolen bases. Still a really good season. Um, but he really crashed back pretty hard after, you know, the 500 and then in the 400 for a few weeks and then just kind of crashed back down. Um, you know, outside of, uh, German Marquez, a 3.75 ERA with 73 Ks, Antonio, um, Sensatella, uh, 3.44 ERA and 41 Ks, and Yancy Almonte, um, 2.93 ERA, 23 Ks, and 27.2 innings pitch, the Rockies rotation did not do them any favors and kind of brought them back down to pretender status. What do we not love about the Rockies? I mean, they play in the toughest division in baseball. Um, now um, with the Padres and the Dodgers, the Giants looked really good and the Rockies kind of just mixed in. Um, so not, not a great showing, but um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to win in this division. Um, they had a team 257 batting average with 543 strikeouts, only 166 walks and a team 311 OBP. So what that tells me, um, if I was analyze that is they swung at bad pitches, they swung at everything. They didn't take enough pitches. So they were up against starters for longer. They weren't able to get into bullpens and they didn't hit enough or walk enough, um, to be able to get on base. I mean, 311 OBP as a team that's below league average, the average, the good players should be at about 330, 335, 340, somewhere right in there. Um, they were well below that. And it wasn't just offense's fault. Um, the pitching had a 5.59 ERA, uh, 6.7K per nine. And, you know, they issued, they got 393Ks, but they issued 205 walks. 
hence the 5.59 ERA. I mean, Coors Field is a very hitter-friendly park. However, you got to take that into mind and account for that. However, it just wasn't enough. Um, and there's no reason, no clue, no no wonder why Arenado wants out of this team. They're, they're underperforming, they're underwhelming, and they're just not there where they need to be. Uh, also, Arenado was also injured. He only was able to hit eight home runs. 26 RBIs and a 253 batting average. However, he did win his A straight gold glove, which was awesome to see, and the platinum glove. I mean, he's the best defender in all of baseball. Um, and the Rockies definitely struggled. Uh, that's my biggest takeaway um, from 2020 for the Rockies, that they struggle without Arenado on the field. The pitching struggles because they don't have a safety net and gold glove third baseman out there behind them, um, which can be nerve-wracking as any pitcher, knowing that you don't have that guy out there to get your back at the hot corner. Um, and then story being at shortstop, you know, both those, if they were both there for the whole season, pitching may have pitched a little bit better. I don't think it would have been anywhere near, you know, brought down any more than like a 4.2 or something. Um, but significantly at least one and a half, if not one to one and a half runs per game. Let's see. And all but one pitcher, um, pitch below a 3.00 ERA. So that doesn't, doesn't really give you a big chance. Um, so what's next? Um, well, trade Arenado, trade Trevor Story, trade Charlie Blackman, get these guys, um, get these guys gone for prospects. Do exactly what the Pirates are doing and trading their high-value players for something. Get get go get fourteen prospects. You could probably get fourteen prospects just for Nolan Arenado alone. Um, but the only thing is for Arenado, he's due 200 million through 2026, a no trade clause and an opt out option after this 2021 season. Um, he has made it known that he wants out. He's willing to wait his no trade clause. And, um, and depending on which team takes him, he will decline his player option or accept his player option for 2021 and stay with whatever that team um, so obviously the Rockies will have to pay part of that salary. They may have to give up a high-end prospect um, as well just to get enough back to say, okay, we can do this. Um, but they also need to trade Story, Blackman, Sensatella, Marquez, kind of just blow it up because um, I don't think they can compete, especially with the Dodgers and the Padres reloaded. Um, the Giants looking great. And, you know, they – they're a little bit above the Diamondbacks right now, but not not very much. Um, but really, they, they, they haven't done much this winter. It's been really quiet. Next is the Washington Nationals. Let's see. The Nationals, they didn't really make any moves. I mean, Steven Strasburg was out for the season. Um, Starlin Castro ended up being out for the season. Both those hurt my fantasy teams because I had both of them. Um, but we should see both back at full strength in 2021. Let's see what we loved about the Nationals. Um, Juan Soto, um, I mean, he's going to be in the Nats uniform until at least 2024. Hopefully they extend him. Um, he led the league in OBP at 490 and slugging at 695, which is other world elite. Um, and it's only it was only his third season. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Baby Shark, Juan Soto, for the next 10 years as an MVP candidate. I mean, he's 21. He's only getting better. 
Um, Trey Turner had a fantastic offensive season with a 394 OBP and 588 slugging percentage at 12 stolen bases um, with a 335 batting average. So, you know, again, another elite, elite season. Um, Mad Max, Matt Scherzer was at it again, uh, 67.1 innings pitch, 12.3 K per nine, 3.74 ERA. He opponents only hit 260 against him and he posted a 2.2 war. Um, the Nationals also had two good relievers, uh, Tyler Finnegan, 2.92 ERA with one war, and Ted Naraney, 2.66 ERA with 1.1 war. Um, the pitching staff as a whole did great at punching batters out with a 9.2K per nine. Um, however, outside of these few players, it, there wasn't much to love. Uh, they finished at 26 and 34, which I didn't love because I had them projected at 38 and 22. If they would have had Castro and they would have had Strasburg for the whole season, I think this team would have looked a lot different and been a lot more competitive. Um, but, you know, it probably wouldn't have helped that they had a 5.09 team ERA, 1.52 whip, and a staff um, 271 um, batting average against. So, you know, it. The pitching really hurt this team as a whole. Um, outside of the few, the three guys I mentioned, uh, Scherzer, Finnegan, and Rainey, the rest of the, the pitching staff was just no good. Um, the offense slash 264, 336, 433. Um, you know, love to see that OBP right about 340, slugging about 450. Uh, so they were they were just barely below average, but. You know, the pitchers were allowing a 271 batting average. Um, so they were allowing a higher batting average than what the team was producing. So that doesn't doesn't balance out. Um, but, you know, it happens. It wasn't great. Um, but with they've made some great moves. That's um, – or the biggest takeaway was for me, was before before we get into that, what's next, Um is that the Anthony Rendon, they didn't have Rendon. This is their first full season without Rendon, and it really hurt. Um, Soto did an excellent job making up the difference, but he couldn't do it by himself. Um, they need, you know, Robles to step in um, with the acquisitions of Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, um, you know. I, there, was, there was one more. I can't think now who else they acquired. Uh, oh, John Lester. Um, it should really help this team start to finish. Strasburg being back. I think a lot of people are going to count this Nationals team out in 2021 just based on, you know, Rendon and the, the down season in 2020. Um, coming off the 2019 kind of, you know, that World Series dip. Um, but I don't I don't think so. Um, you know, those moves are exactly what they needed um, to help Ryan Zimmerman's coming back. So that should give them a very excellent quality platoon piece at first base with Bell. Um, you know, and they need to sign Juan Soto to a big deal. Uh, probably still a couple years out, but, I mean, get it, get the deal done now, get it on paper, much like the Padres are trying to do with um, Tatis Jr. So that's the Nationals. Let's go into the Mets. Uh, the Mets, you know, they, they didn't have Stroman for the 2020 season. You want to assess as left early. Uh, he used a COVID opt-out. Next day he was seen at the mall with his family, his friends. Um, that was just not not professional assessment as to do that. Um, I don't know if it was a Mets or what was going on there, but I hope he's never 
Um, just kind of because of that, I hope he doesn't end up back on the field. Um, they got Todd Frazier from, or yeah, they got Todd Frazier from the Rangers for a player to be named later. Um, Frazier stepped in, sealed in around the diamond. Um, they got Miguel Castro from the Orioles for Kevin Smith and a player to be named later. Um, neither team used the pieces they got in the trade in 2020 during the regular season. And they acquired Robertson Chirinos um, from the Rangers as well for cash and a player to be named later. Um, Chirinos was just basically used as depth at the catching position. Uh, what do we love about the Mets in 2020? Well, Conforto had a great season, 322 batting average, 412 OBP, and 515 slugging with 65 hits. So the OBP stat was phenomenal. Um, J.D. Davis, you know, really pushing for some playing time at third base and first base. Um, and in the outfield, 371 OBP, Brandon Nimmo, 404 OBP. Great, great work. He should play in the center field this season. Jeff McNeil, you know, third baseman, 383 OBP. And Dominic Smith, 377 OBP with a 616 slugging and 42 RBIs. Dominic Smith is really interesting to me. Um, he's he's going to be pushing um, Pete Alonso for playing time at first base. He'll be pushing for playing time at third base and maybe even in the corner outfield spots, like in left field or something. Um, so offensively, that's what we love. Great performances from that handful of players. Um, on the diamond, or on the mound, I mean, um, Jacob DeGrom, with, you know, Jacob DeGrom, 104 Ks, so 18 walks, 2.5 war and 2.3 ERA. Um, he didn't end up winning the NL Cy Young. Um, he should have came in second while Darvish won, and Bauer came in third. But I'm not a voter. Um, you know, Diaz, Edwin Diaz rebounded nicely. Uh, 1.75 ERA, 17.5 K per nine, and 1.3 war. Robbie Cano, um, we won't see him in 2021. We'll probably never see him on the field again um, after the suspension, second suspension for PEDs. Um, he bounced back, 10 home runs, 30 RBIs, and a 352 OBP. Um, really, really good stats right there. And then Arasa Ramirez, another former Mariner, uh, 14.4 innings pitch with a 0.63 ERA. So he was very solid out of the Mets bullpen in 2020. Um, what we didn't love in 2020, well, there's no Syndergaard, there is no Strowman. Um, you know, the other guys I had in the rotation just weren't, didn't really do it for me. Um, they didn't really do it for the Mets either. Uh, 4.98 ERA, 1.42 whip. However, they did have an excellent 10.1 K per nine. Um, but you know, the changes as a whole didn't work out for them and we didn't love what the pitching staff gave us. Um, you know, overall offensively, they weren't bad. 272 batting average, 348 OBP, 459 slugging, a team 807 OPS, you know, overall they were above average. They were getting on base. Um, but you know, they, they couldn't capitalize on those opportunities. Um, they struck out 498 times, uh, only got 197 walks. Um, so, you know, the getting on base was just kind of just barely above league average at 348. 340 is about average. Um, Pete Alonso didn't really help anything. You know, he mashed 16 home runs with 35 Ks, 24 walks to 61 strikeouts. And he slashed 231, 326, 490. I mean, they definitely game plan for Pete Alonso after the phenomenal year in 2019 and the home runs, but 
he just he couldn't he couldn't make adjustments himself. Um, you know, so you know that's kind of one of my big takeaways was you know Pete Alonso was good. It doesn't stop and end with him, um, especially now with a much deeper team, uh, new ownership and Steve Cohen. They they really taken the steps to go in the next in the right direction. Um, you know they. They're missing rotation depth, but they should have Syndergaard back. They've added um, Lachesi. They got Strowman back. They, um, you know, they're they're making moves and they're in on like every major free agent. Um, and they're getting close on a couple, but um, you know, they finished at twenty six and thirty four. I thought they would be at thirty six and twenty four um, when I first made my predictions, but. With a barely average offense, they that's where they struggled. Um, so you know what's next? Well, Steve Cohen likes to, is keep adding. Um, you know, you know, adding James McCann helps. The other moves that they've had to make boosts at certain positions, not all across the diamond, has been excellent. They're not going top tier; they're going number two. You know, we'll go a little bit cheaper, but probably even slightly more productive. What they're going to get out of them, so. Really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this Mets team in 2021. I think they're going to be phenomenal. And right now, like I said, they're number three in the power rankings for me right now. So I think they're about to go from bottom to top and have one of the biggest turnarounds we've ever seen in a team. Um, so that that's it for the yearly reviews. We're going to take a second. Um, and then, then we'll jump into the expanded playoffs. Hey, Joel. Yo, what's up, Joel? Hey, what are you drinking over there? Oh, nothing. It's nothing. You probably you probably would love it if you had it. What is it? I want some. Oh, it's Ray's Energy. It's amazing. 300 milligrams caffeine, no sugar, no carbs, no crap. Just amazing, clean, fresh energy for you to drink. What? Dude, no way. Let me try that. And what do you think? Dude, where have this been in my life? Where can I get some? How do I get some? Awesome question. Let me tell you. You can get some of that delicious drink over at theballboyblog.com backslash my dash deals. You go on down. You go to the link that says Rep Sports Raise Energy. Click it. Go to their page. Order as many cases as your heart desires. And then, boom. Go check out. Put in the code BALLBOY to say 15%. 15%? No way. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It is. So yeah, what are you waiting for? And go order some. I just did. On my phone. Right now. I ordered the Baja Lime, the Mango Guava, the Watermelon, the Galaxy Burst, the Phantom Freeze, Apollo, and I'm so excited to try all of them. Dude, that's only scratching the surface. You still got Sour Gummy Worm, Grape Gummy Worm. You still have Strawberry Colada. And I believe that's about it, actually. You got all of them. Good job. So, yeah. Order, 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 order. Use my code. It'll save you a headache, literally. (laughs) See what I did there? But, regardless, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And please, go be like my friend and go get yourself some raised energy. What are you waiting for? All right, ball boys and ball girls, thanks for staying with me to the very end here. We're going to talk expanded playoffs. So, what are the expanded playoffs? What was it? 
what was the format? What did I like? What didn't I like? Um, and should I, do I think it should stay or should it go? Um, those are the questions I'm going to answer real quick. Um, so the format, the format we saw last year in 2020 was really interesting. Uh, 16 teams made the playoffs. We saw the first round of wild card was the best of three games um, in three days. Um, the one seed played the eight, the two played the seven and so forth. Um, the wild card round was again, three games, three days, best of three. So we won two, they were done. So swept it. Next was the divisional round, best of five games in five days. Um, and then we saw the league championship round, which was seven games, seven days. And then the World Series was the classic format. Two games, one game, off, three games, one off, and then two games. So in the end, there was a lot of baseball to be played. It was a marathon. It was a test of endurance. And ultimately, the best team ended up winning, which was the Dodgers um, in game six of the World Series against the Tampa Bay Rays. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, we're going to talk about what I didn't like first. I, I didn't like how the playoffs were set up in the wild card round. Granted, most of the one seeds beat the eights. Um, it was very similar to that NBA format, but I almost wish it was like seven teams per, so 14 total teams. And kind of what they like the what the um, what the uh, NFL is doing right now, what the NFL did this year for their playoffs. They had seven teams, so three wild cards, the division winners, and then one number one seed. The number one seed got a first round bye to the divisional round. Um, and then the other three played their way in. Um, the other six teams, three, one, and then you're into the four for the divisional, and then two, one. So that would have made more sense. It would have been a bit more competitive, and, like, the number one seeds, I, I think, in every sport, should deserve it. Uh, so, I, you know, it, it's fun in the NBA because, you know, sometimes those eight seeds upset the one seeds. It's really cool. I think the MLB, you know, the 18 teams, 16 teams, they were they were going for a lot more TV revenue, more more TVs in more places, uh, more games. Um, so it didn't really work out. It worked out great. It was a lot of fun to watch. But you know, I think the one seed should get the the one seed should get the, the first round by. That's just how it should be. Um, and, you know, there was there was a lot of controversy from the players as well, saying, well, we only got day games, we don't get a night game, so, you know, it's off. Or this team had the advantage because they played the night games um, in their round and we played the day games um, kind of thing. So it wasn't – there was just a lot of, you know, controversy there from the players speaking up, saying, hey, why don't we get the, the night games and get a little bit more time off instead of them, you know, so on and so forth. So it was one of those things. Um, again, you know, the scheduling wasn't perfect and it kind of, it worked out. It was fun to watch, like I said, but that's one thing I didn't like just the formatting. Um, but what I did like was the competition, the competition aspect from the wild card rounds on was really interesting. And the playoffs are where legends are made and legacies are cemented in history. So the idea of back to get back games was really cool to see, um, it was really interesting to see. One thing that I really liked was how much the teams relied on data, analytics, advanced metrics, saber metrics, um, and so much more. So we definitely saw that in play. The managers who could run those reports, understand the metrics, understand the matchups, had a deeper understanding for analytics. Those are the teams that won. I mean, Rays, the Rays and uh, the Dodgers, they were the two best teams in baseball, and they ran the divisions, they they ran the leagues, and they met in the World Series. 
Um, and it was it was very obvious in the wild card round that those six, seven, eight seeds they shouldn't have really been there. Um, except the Marlins, they were a feel good story, but um, they you could tell that they weren't really good enough to be there. So it was kind of a gimme for those one, two, three seeds playing these six, seven, eight seeds, um, which I think was on purpose. Um, but you know, it was, it was really competitive. It was nice. It took some gutsy calls as we saw in the world series when Blake Snell was pulled. Um, so it was just, it was just really interesting to see the analytics and the data driven approaches that like Kevin Cash took to, to win a lot of games and to make it deep into the playoffs. Um, much like the NBA playoffs, more teams, more teams stayed in for that seven, eight spot. Cause it was way more competitive, especially in the NL. Like, literally, it came down to the last game, game 60 of the season for the Reds, the Brewers, and I can't remember the third team to, to make it into the playoffs. Like, they were they were playing up until the last moment for their seeding, um, which was very NBA-like, um, and it made it a lot more fun to watch. And more teams, 16 teams not playing for a draft pick, but they were playing to, you know, get into the, get into the, um, the playoffs, which was awesome to see. It was, it, it added to the competitive element and it added to the excitement of baseball, which I think was, is needed. You know, this, in, this infusion of, of difference um, really helps keep more fan bases engaged, which keeps more TVs on, which keeps more people, you know, buying subscriptions, watching games, more TV money. Um, so it was just the competitive element improved the financial aspect. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that. I'm kind of going back and analyzing it now. So the ultimate question, um, should it stay or should it go? I, I don't know. Um, let me see. I think we saw some entertaining baseball. We saw some sweetheart teams. We saw some great storylines come out of it, like like the Marlins. That was a feel-good story. Randy Rosarena breaking every rookie record and other playoff records was phenomenal to see. A lot of fun. Um you know, the playoffs showed us that some some teams were right there that, that only needed one more big player, and those teams have been aggressive this offseason. You know, the Blue Jays, the, the Marlins are, are right there. Um, and it, it makes it interesting for some teams that were that did make it, like that 7-8 seed, like, okay, where, where do we go next? Do we, do we take a step back and follow the plan to kind of blow it up? Or do we, do we buy in and do we, we go a little bit further? You know, the White Sox were barely there. They made moves to go further. The Blue Jays made moves to go further. The Marlins go further. You know, you see a team like the Reds. They, they're they not making the moves to go further. The Brewers, they haven't made any significant moves to go further. Um, so it's really interesting in, in that aspect. Um, for me, it was the best of the best going at each other, come to divisional rounds and the championship rounds and the World Series. Um uh, which, you know, you don't always see, um, you don't always see the best of the best, but it, what you did in this, in this format this season, um, I think that really helped the MLB stay relevant when it came to the playoffs and to still get um, TV time as baseball or as football was starting. You know, they were having to compete in there with, with the NFL, which is always hard. And, you know, they, they made it work. Um, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, again, I, I do think the playoffs were a lot of fun. Um and I think that if it was to go one more year, um, then 
the 2021 class of free agents next season, the playing field is completely different. There's a new market, kind of like we've seen this year, that teams just kind of are really unsure of what the financials look like as their main reason for not spending. And then you'll see other teams who are like, oh, we're, we're buying in, we're going for it, we're right there, we can make it, we can make the 7-8 seed, and I think we can go further because of how good our team is, like, depth-wise. Um, so it'll really make it interesting for for relievers, for benches, and just the teams. Each team should get a lot more just better and more fundamentally sound and, you know, be filled with talent start to finish, much like the Padres and the Dodgers are doing. Um, like, the Padres don't need Jerickson Profar um, when they have Haseon Kim, but they have Jerickson Profar now, like, why not? You know, the Dodgers or the Dodgers are just good, but you know, depth pays off because you never know what's gonna happen, especially come twenty twenty one. Um, you know, COVID's still a thing as we know. Um, you know, the Marlins, you know, Don Mattingly kind of showed us all that depth matters and you know, you have to be a data driven manager to be able to make it to the playoffs and succeed in the playoffs as much as Kevin Cash showed us. Um so I think it was, you know, a really excellent thing for the MLB, and I, I do hope it stays. I do hope it catches on. I do hope that the the owners and the player association are able to exchange expanded playoffs for universal DH in 2021, and then come labor negotiations and make a finalized vote on both of those, because I think it was great for both sides. I think it was great for the teams, um, and I think it was great for the competitive element. Um, if it doesn't, I will be sad, but I will not be shocked. Um but it could happen where it's not there for 2021, but come 2022, new CBA, we have a brand new um, set of rules every year, new rules, and we could see the expanded playoffs kind of stick, um, which I would be really excited to see. Uh, but other than that, you know, guys, that's, that's that's it. That's expanded playoffs in a nutshell. Um, thanks for being here, guys. Like I said, Fantasy Dugouts Live, forms are up. Um, you know, we have the best of series rolling out. We have the podcast news every week. Like I cover just about everything. February, we're going to go pretty hard with yearly previews. Um, once camp breaks or, and then in March, we're, we're going to try to do a little bit more content come February. Um, you know, we're going to see what happens. We're going to keep playing it by ear. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for 18. Here's to 18 more. Um, we just had post number 100 come out. Um, so here's the next, here's the 200. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to what, what 2021 has in store for us. Thank you guys so much. Stay well. And I'll see you next week.